Hello, everybody. Welcome to Locked on Astros. I'm H.J. Wellhouse, and tonight we've got a special guest once again, Mr. David Sampson. He's going to talk to us today. He's going to tell us what we can make of Dana Brown's words. Basically, how Dana Brown's talked more in a 30-minute press conference than we ever heard James Click talk in the last two years. Maybe after this segment or after this show, we're going to call Mr. Sampson the GM Whisperer. Come and hang out with us. It's going to be a great edition of Locked on Astros. Alvarez, it's a high drive center field. Veerling's back. This game is turned upside down. There's the runner. Fly ball down the right field line. Tucker comes on. Kyle Tucker. This time they finish the job. Hello and welcome to Locked On Astros, your daily Astros podcast. Here are your hosts, Eric the Man Heisman and Greg H-Town Wheelhouse Chansey. We are Locked On Houston Astros, and we hope that you join us for a daily Locked On Astros podcast. My name is Eric Heisman. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Talk Stros. You find the show at Locked On Astros, your team every day. Brett, where can they find you at? They can find me at H Town Wheelhouse on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. They can find me at Stros41 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Always positive. Positive I love when David hangs out with us. Always Stros. All right, we got a special guest. Uh, he needs no introduction. Uh, he has a resume that we can all dream of, and that's David P. Sampson. Uh, where can they find you at? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, David P. Sampson. I do nothing personal every day, which is on YouTube at uh, at NPDS or Nothing Personal with David Sampson. Wherever you get your podcasts, we come at you every day, and I'm happy to be back. It's baseball time, finally. Yeah, it's getting close. Uh, the Astros truck is loading up for uh, West Palm Beach, and that's always a great time. We had promotions, and we had the the new slogan for 2023 released today. We'll talk about that uh, in this episode. But this episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the, special, uh, the official f- sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On today and get started. And thank you for making Locked On Astros podcast your first listen, whether it's on YouTube. Go and give us a big fat thumbs up and go and like us and go and subscribe to us as we get closer to 7,000 subscribers. And uh, go and make us your first listen on the way to work on Apple, Odyssey, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Check out the Locked On Astros podcast. So as part of Media Day today, Dana Brown uh, went out and um, I mean, I know he's talked, but this was his first time to talk officially now that the dust has settled and he kind of had some opinions about what's going on and uh, like extensions. And we wanted to have uh, David come on and just say, okay, well, now that he said everything he said today, let's go ahead and interpret this because he said a lot. But before we get to that, I do want to talk about the slogan. And the slogan is, it's not run it back like a lot of people want it to be. It's ready to rain. And uh, so uh, that's something that a lot of people are like, uh, now that we got the the rain again, let's go ahead and go back to back and win it again. And he said, and uh, the Astro said, now we build a legacy. Now let's uh, cement the dynasty. And so that's something that, um, Brett, what do you think about the slogan? Oh, I love it. I mean, like, we know what the legacy is. We've seen it firsthand. Now let's submit the dynasty. I mean, they're basically putting the MLB on notice. Like, we're not going away anytime soon. Like, we did win a second World Series, and we don't plan on not competing 
um, for, I mean, we, we plan on competing for a World Series in the next several years. But Mr. Sampson, from a front office perspective, you know, you've you complimented Jim Crane and just how well he's run this organization. This is a huge, like, this is a huge statement. Now we cement a dynasty. Like, that is, I don't want to say ballsy, but that's a lot of confidence coming from the front office, isn't it? Well, you have to know that nobody's repeated since the 98 to 2000 Yankees. So every team who has won the World Series, including us in 2003, there's nothing better than winning your first World Series except for winning your second. And remember, last year was so important to Jim Crane and the rest of the Astros organization because they really wanted to get a ring that was not associated with 2017. And they felt like this legitimized their franchise. And my view was the success they've had with that second ring last year, they already are a dynasty. Your Astros team will be looked at even if nothing happens in 2023 and they don't even make it back to the LCS, let's say. I think you look back at this era of dominance and you put them along with the great teams like the New England Patriots of recent days or going back to the Bulls in the NBA. This is a dynasty. Now, if you win back to back, and become the first team to do it since, you know, in 23 years. I mean, you're talking about forget ready to reign. You are reigning. So I think the slogan this year is ready to reign. And then next year, if they win it again this year, I think the slogan should be, we are reigning because that's how I view it. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Uh, I mean, everybody wanted to run it back, but I think that's something that the Rockets have used in the past, and a lot of people are not liking the way the direction the Rockets are going. So let's go ahead and do something that's strictly the Astros, and this is what the Astros have decided to do. So I'm all bored with it, and you got Keen Tucker in right field, so it makes a lot of sense there. So. Uh, let's go ahead and look at the patch. So uh, we we are one of the few people that did talk about this in Houston that the um, Occidental uh, Petroleum was the going to have the patch on the shoulder, and we saw it. It was on Alex Bregman, and it's not something that's hideous or anything. It just looks like it's part of the uniform. It's a little circle, and it just says Oxy on that there. And hopefully, uh, I mean that's going to be on there for the next seven years. Hopefully, that's not. That's going to be all of it. Hopefully, it's not going to be on both shoulders, and then uh, it's going to be on the, the front of it. Um, David, how far do you think that MLB will take the patches? Oh, I think you're going to see helmet patches. I think that what is happening now is teams are looking for any stream of revenue they can find. And keep in mind something that you're not talking about now, but we could, which is what's going on in the world of streaming and the fact that many teams in MLB, their broadcast revenue, their local broadcast revenue is in jeopardy with the impending bankruptcy of Sinclair. So the industry as a whole is going to be looking to make up revenue. So they're going to be looking every direction possible. And I, as, team, as a team president, I wasn't as focused on the traditionalist where it has to be a clean uniform. And there were people, I don't know if you've seen the uniforms, but there's a, uh, a Nike swoosh on the uniforms now. Right. And that was a huge deal because there were people from the old guard who didn't want that, thought that it didn't look good and it was selling out. But then the commissioner stood up and said, here's the amount of money your team's going to get. And they said, bring on the swoosh. And that's what's going on right now with uniform patches. What's interesting, though, is that it's not national revenue. Each team is doing its own deal. The helmets could be national revenue or it could be team by team revenue. They're still going to work 
through that. But at the end of the day, any revenue that the industry gets is a positive. And again, fans will get used to it. It's not a big deal at all. And it's the best way to keep salaries growing. It's the best way to keep signing players, which is something the Astros are talking about with their new GM today in order to sign these players and have the payroll that the Astros have, which is quite large, as you know, they're, I think they're a top 14 this year. Uh, you have to have as much revenue as you can find. Right. And I think, see, I think you explaining it is a lot like when I try to tell my son what he needs to do in basketball, he doesn't listen to me. But when his coach tells him what to do, oh, dad, I went to practice and coach told me this. And I thought, I just told you that last week. So when we have someone like David Sampson, who's actually been on the front lines, it makes sense because that revenue is definitely what drives. And the fans who probably don't like the patches want to keep the players. And you can't keep, you can't have your cake and eat it too. But I'm, I'm glad you explained the importance of it. It may be something that people don't like, but they're looking for anywhere on the field. And I heard it years ago, probably over 10 years ago, Major League Baseball fields one day are going to look like minor league baseball fields. Why do minor league baseball fields have those sponsors? Because they don't pull in the gate prices. They don't pull in the ticket revenue, so they have to supplement. Well, like you said, with this bankruptcy of Sinclair possibly looming, that reps a whole lot of teams' revenue, and so they've got to recover that somehow. You want to sign players, you've got to find it. Listen, the minute you saw an ad on the green monster is the minute you had to come to grips with the fact that it's a whole new ball game. I think that's how I looked at it. The first time I ever saw an ad in the Ivy in Chicago at Wrigley <laughs> Field, right? That's when you realize, all right, we're looking for new sources of revenue. And basically you do a budget every year when you're running a team and you know your expenses because that's your payroll plus your front office expenses, plus your minor league expenses, sales, marketing, stadium operations, everything. Those are your expenses. Then you look at what your revenue is. You add up what your assumptions are with tickets, attendance times what the average ticket price you're assuming it to be. You look at your space in the ballpark and you figure out where corporate sponsorships could be, how much they are. And then you make a decision because you can have two signs where it's $200,000 per sign or one sign at $400,000. And that's the same amount of revenue. So you can decide how you want your outfield wall to look according to what the corporate support is in your own market. So that's why different ballparks look differently because it has to do with the amount that a team can charge for that real estate within the ballpark. So basically what you're saying is if we want to do all these extensions that Dana Brown talked about today, just having a look at OxyPatch may not be a, a bad idea, right, Brett? <laughs> and so uh, let's kind of just... Um, talk about the, the sponsor of the show, which is FanDuel. Yeah, definitely. FanDuel is a great place to go. It is Super Bowl time. And this year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. So download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with the no sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line 
to point spreads to who will score a touchdown. FanDuel Sportsbook is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid for winning instantly. I mean, who's going to throw the first touchdown pass? Will the first score in the second half be a field goal? There's no telling what's out there. Will a fan take the field and be tackled by a security guard? Um, I heard today there's odds on what will the Gatorade color be that is poured on the winning coach. So join FanDuel today at FanDuel.com slash locked on to claim your no sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL. All right. So before we move on, I just want a lot of people are saying um, it throws off the colors and everything. I just want to put up this Alex Bregman picture real quick. And it actually throws in the Astros colors a little bit too. It looks like it's blue and orange as well. And I think it just, I mean, yeah, it's a little bit something different, but still it's not something that's horrendous or something that's going to distract um, people. So it's something that we're going to deal with for the next seven years. So uh, if it brings you back, Kyle Tucker, just deal with it. So <laughs> I just want to point out, you, you talked about the Super Bowl and FanDuel within front offices in baseball. Do you want to know what our favorite day of the year is? What's any that? idea what you think it is? What's your guess? The best day of the year for a baseball person in the front the office day after Super Bowl. Hell yeah. The day after the Super Bowl, not the first day of spring training, not opening day. It's the day after the Super Bowl because you know, all right, you're on the on-ramp. You are getting ready for spring training. It's here. The focus is off football until the draft at least, and you are ready to take center stage. You always get more column inches, more. That's what it used to be called. Now it's more clicks, more views, more articles written about you. And you really start seeing more players appear at the spring training facility. And as you get going toward that first workout. So Monday's a big day. Nice. Okay. So um, during, um, during Dana Brown's, uh, uh, I guess, press conference today, he brought up several times that uh, Jim Crane is, or we all know that Jim Crane is kind of has always avoided the long-term deals and that he doesn't really want to do them. And he's had some conversations with Crane about this and He's and uh, Dana Brown has said that with the Braves, um, he he's very aggressive. He wants to do the long term deals. He hates to see uh, pl- good players walk out the door. And so he, he says he basically told Jim Crane, fasten your seatbelt. It's time. <laughs> and so what does that mean when your GM is telling the owner like it's time to go ahead and start signing these players to long term deals? Yeah, there's no one saying to Jim Crane, slow your roll. There's no one saying, hey, it's it's my show now. That's not the reality of how the Astros are run. Jim Crane is firmly in charge. There's not going to be a philosophical change because Dana Brown met the media and wants to all of a sudden do a philosophical change. The reason Jim Crane has done what he does is that it's right. And the fact is long-term deals in general for aging free agents don't work. And this offseason, you've seen a seminal change in that where you're seeing players signed up until they're 40, including today, you Darvish signed through 41 or 42. 42, I mean, it's it's absurd. There's no chance he's going to be pitching at that age. And certainly if he is, there's no chance he's going to be pitching effectively as a member of your starting rotation. These contracts are being spread out over the long term because of luxury tax implications. It's a loophole that's going to have to be dealt with in the next collective bargain agreement because it's getting totally ridiculous. But the other part of what Dana Brown talked about, I just want to mention, when you sign young players, which the Braves did, 
what you're doing is you are getting cost certainty through arbitration. Remember, all of your young players, you have them for six years. So it's not like uh, the example today, Bo Bichette, he got a three-year deal today from the Toronto Blue Jays. He already had a three-year deal with the Toronto Blue Jays. They just didn't know what they were going to pay him. The only thing that changed today is now they know exactly what they're going to pay him, whether he's good, bad, or indifferent, healthy or hurt, productive or not productive. They know what they're going to pay him. So the key when looking at these deals is not the first six years, it's looking out into the free agent years and what the number is that you're locking up the player in his free agent years, knowing that you're going to get some wrong and some right. And Dana Brown saying that's what they did in Atlanta. That's true. And it's been successful, but it's hard to argue that what Houston does is not successful and good players do walk out the door. They do. Let's look at Justin Verlander. He walked out the door. And that's good business if you're the Houston Astros. The deal he signed with the Mets is not a good contract. And Houston, you've got to have a pipeline. You've got to have pitchers ready to go like they do with Hunter Brown. And you just keep churning. And that's the, what the most successful teams do. Yeah, exactly. And so I definitely want to, um, I know we have kind of an order of things, but since he's talking about that, Eric, I want to jump to what he was talking about, about players walking, walking away. Mm -hmm. And what Dana Brown did today, maybe, maybe it was a PR move, but he said, look, our fan base is conditioned for heartbreak. It's a welcome tone. Homegrown stars, Carlos Correa and George Springer departed after failed extension attempts. Brown said Thursday, we'll try to avoid free agency as much as we can, but sometimes it's unavoidable. He also talked about fans buy their jerseys. They become family members to these fans, and they hate to see him go. And he goes, we don't want our players leaving and going to L.A. and New York. So he said, basically what we've got to do is we've got to know the makeup, the play, makeup of the player, and we have to make projections on what that player's ability is. What that says to me, and what he also said to follow up with that, was this. We are going to do everything we can to keep a player, but if they walk, you will know that we did everything we could to keep them. I'm trying to remember what was the name of the Astros World Series MVP. I can't think of it off the top yeah, of my yeah. head. I Jeremy think he Pena. was this young player. He oh, may Jeremy have played yeah. shortstop, and he may have won the LCS MVP too, and he may have replaced Carlos Correa. But I can't remember if that's true. I mean, that's come true. on, give me a break, would yeah. you? Of course, you let players go in free agency. That's why you have young players to replace them. And what he said about Altuve and Bregman made me smile because there's no reason to extend them now. Let's look at players who get extended early and what happens with that. You think the Tigers are happy they extended Miguel Cabrera early? The Red Sox are happy they extended Chris Sale early? When mm. you extend early, you can get hurt really, really badly. And I'm not saying you let Altuve and Bregman walk out. I'm not saying that at all. But I'm also saying there's no reason to discuss it at this very moment. There's plenty of time to do that. Yeah, I think that it, the exact words were uh, we want to kind of focus on the one, the players who are going to their contracts are going to expire in 2024. That doesn't mean the young guys like Christian Javier, then Kyle Tucker and all that. So they they think that Altuve and Bregman are the core players of the Houston, Houston Astros franchise. And they want to lock them up with a not a, maybe not Albert Pujols like deal, but just a deal that will keep them with the Houston Astros for a long time. And I just don't 
I can't see Jim Crane all of a sudden being like, you know what? That Altuve guy, he's been such a good player for Houston Astros. Let's just go and give him a long-term deal. But who knows? Uh, maybe they can work out, like like they said, meet somewhere in the middle where maybe it's maybe not a 10-year deal, but maybe like a six-year deal from the end of his current contract or something. The way you do it is you put your team together. I used to carry around in my briefcase our team and our projected team in both one year, three years, and five years out. And you watch younger players as they mature, meaning they have more service time, meaning they get paid more through the arbitration system. You watch as certain player contracts run out and you expect them to not be on the team. And yet your payroll grows. Look where Houston's payroll is. They're not going to take their payroll to $350 million like the Mets do. It's just not going to happen. So there has to be a changing of the guard and you try to think about who your core can be, but is the solution to be like San Diego? That's the team you should be focused on this year because mm -hmm. they just signed everybody, and then you hope that they perform. What happens if the Padres aren't good? They've got all these players signed long-term to these huge contracts, and then what do they do? You lose all flexibility. So do not be critical of Jim Crane, and I'm the first one to be critical of, of team owners, no doubt, right. and GMs and everybody else. But don't be critical of owners who are willing to make tough decisions. You want that from your owner. You don't want the emotion of pl signing players because of what they've done. You want to sign them for what they're going to do. Exactly. And that's what uh, Mr. Harden says. He is a, a, a friend of the show. He actually watches. I think he lives in Singapore. Malaysia. Oh, Malaysia. Malaysia or Singapore, one of those. Okay, he, basically he's, he's overseas, right? So I'm not sure what time of the day it is for him there, but he says it's not that Crane doesn't want to, doesn't have the money to spend. It's just he prefers to stay within the luxury tax. And guess who has two World Series championships for not overspending? And that's what you've said all along, David, is that, you know, Jim Crane has put this together masterfully. So let me ask you this, because we have all this stuff. And for me as a fan and as a commentator and someone who covers the Astros daily, it makes me excited to hear Dana Brown say these things and vocalize these things. But I know starting my fourth season with Locked on Astros, that I have to temper what he's saying with some level-headed expectation. So what can you tell our listeners? Like you, they're hearing Dana Brown say all these things, but what, what do we, what do you, I mean, is this moving in a good direction? Should we not expect a pot of gold at the end of every sentence that he says? Like, how do we take all this stuff? Because it all sounds like great stuff. You have to forgive me for taking this tone with you, but I'm just very curious. What exactly are you missing from your pot of gold as an Astros fan right now? It is the most successful franchise in Major League Baseball exactly. for the past five or six years. I don't understand what more, and I say this with respect, what more do you want from them, having been to the World Series as often as they have, having won two titles since 2017, don't they get the benefit? And maybe this is the old president talking, but don't they get the benefit of like a thousand doubts from everybody in Houston right now? Yeah. Oh, yeah. One hundred percent. You know, I agree with that. Eric, what do you think? Yeah. And I, I think that what we're doing is um, like Dana Brown said when he came in the first day, he said, we're being greedy. We want to be greedy. We want to sign the players. And we've seen teams like the Royals win the World Series and lose all the players. And that's what we want to do. We want to try to keep this championship window open. 
And so that's what a lot of fans are looking at. It's not just about Jose Altuve and Bregman. Their names haven't really even been mentioned until recently. The main focus has been on Kyle Tucker's, the Christian Javier's, the Frommer Valdez. And then uh, if you're looking at the Braves model, uh, you should be looking at Jeremy Pena, Hunter Brown, and maybe even Luis Garcia locking up some of these young talents earlier and like uh, buying out some of their arbitration years and uh, just kind of getting uh, maximizing their um, the financial aspects of that. But do you feel better if Jeremy Pena today signed a five-year deal as a fan? Do you say, hey, yeah, we've got him five years. We locked him up. Do you feel better than going year to year in arbitration? What's the difference actually in your mind? You do have Jeremy Payne right. locked up. So I, yeah. I, I'm just trying to understand. You've got, you know, Framber Valdez. You have Kyle Tucker. He just lost his arbitration case today. That was that. his first time in arbitration. You've got him for his four plus, for his, this is his three plus, and then his four plus, then his five plus. He's got a three-year deal. And if you extend Altuve and Bregman, how many position players are you going to have at 25, 30, $35 million? You've got to be right. able to build a team. It's not like the NBA where even that doesn't work all that well, where you put a big three together and it's all going to be great in baseball. I just encourage you to speak to some fans of the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim <laughs> who have two of the best players in major league baseball. They can't sniff October with a 10 foot pole. And they sign long-term deals all the time. They bring in Rendon. They re-sign Trout. What does it all mean? It means nothing because they don't win. That's right. You know, and the problem is they're probably lacking something more than a really good owner. They're probably lacking some nutritional things like Built Bar. And let me tell you, since we've got David here who's given us a healthy dose of proper perspective, I want to give you a healthy dose of a snack that you need to grab. It's called Built Bar. And when I tell you about that it's a protein bar, and then you actually go buy one, and you see that it tastes like a candy bar, you'll think I was lying to you. But you've got to try it. And it's got macros that are amazing. If we're all about stats in the Astros world, then listen to these stats. Only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and a whopping 17 grams of protein. You can eat it on the go, before your workout, during your workout, after your workout. At night, if you want to hungry, if you're hungry and you want a snack, grab a built bar. They're all wrapped in 100% chocolate. They have unbelievable flavors like churro, a Texas favorite, um, peanut butter brownie, and coconut almond. But you always hear me talk about going to built.com, and you can still do that. But what I want you to do is find your closest Walmart or Sam's Club, and this is what you need to do. When you go to Walmart, you need to go to the pharmacy section and over there by the pharmacy section, grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four, a pack of four um, cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. Or if you're at Sam's Club, grab a 13 bar box of our hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. You can thank me later. BuiltBar.com, the best bar in the biz. All right. So, David, on the topic of extensions, and uh, I know that Dana Brown says the Astros are making progress on extensions for Christian Javier, and he's working on extension for Kyle Tucker as well. This was before we learned that he did lose the arbitration um, hearing today. Uh, and But he says we really feel good about that one on uh, Christian Javier. And I've been saying on podcasts, I think Javier's the most likely one to sign an extension. I think that he would probably would be the easier, easier one to sign. Uh, do you think that losing the arbitration hearing would be um, bad? Like if you want to 
gets get a player to sign an extension? No, I think that that's something about arbitration. I talked about this on Nothing Personal when Max Fried lost his arbitration with the Braves and he got 13 and a half instead of, I think, 15 million. And agents will tell you that players get angry. Agents will tell you it hurts your chance of signing our player if you take him to arbitration. But I have found that in 100% of the time, players not only are not unhappy about arbitration, they accept it as part of the process, part of the collective bargaining process, but it has absolutely zero impact on what they do as free agents. But the interesting part about losing an arbitration case is Kyle Tucker next season. He goes back into the arbitration process with a base salary of five instead of seven and a half. And what you look at when you're doing the second year of arbitration, you're looking at what the raise is from the prior year, and you're combining that with what the performance was of the platform year, meaning how Kyle Tucker does this year. And then you look at what the raise should be for players who have had that sort of success in their third year in the big leagues. And so he's coming from five instead of seven and a half. So a win like this for the Astros, it saves them not just this year, it saves them next year and the year after. So it's a very important thing, arbitration. All of that said, Kyle Tucker's not upset. He's doing just fine. But what players are doing now, which is interesting, about 10 years ago, if you went to a young player and said, we're going to guarantee your arbitration years and we're going to buy out a few of your free agent years, you'd get what was known then as a discount, meaning what you projected the player to be, you were paying that player less. And that was the bet you were making. I'm going to give you money up front. And in return, if you keep kicking butt the way you have, it's going to be a benefit to us for guaranteeing the money to you. These days, there is no more discount. It's so strange to me why you would sign a player through arbitration and not get a discount. And again, I go to Bichette and the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays didn't get a discount at all. What is the purpose then of guaranteeing the three arbitration years? Let him go to arbitration every year. Let him perform at the level where he deserves the raises he gets. So it's all very strange to me. Yeah, it just seems like a very slippery slope that I think all of baseball is on. And what I think I admire most about Jim Crane is that he stayed the course. You know, it seems like team after team has said, oh, crap, they're doing this. We got to do the same thing. And they're all following suit. And they're all signing players like we talked about before and tonight up to 40, 41 years old. Like, are you crazy? That's why I think like an extension with someone like Altuve and Bregman, I think those are guys that would take hometown discounts, that would take a team-friendly pay extension because Altuve doesn't want to play anywhere else. I can't see Bregman playing anywhere else. But, you know, we haven't talked about this at all in this conversation. The Astros are retooling. And even though when we talked to Jason Bell, one of the player development guys, he said, we've got one of the top player development core groups like in the league. And let me tell you, David, they have got some studs coming up. They've got this kid out of Florida. They've got Gilbert, who came out of Tennessee, Clifford, Gilbert. I mean, we've got Pedro Leon. We've got kids in the in the Dominican Summer League. I, I mean, there's so much promise in the future. So retooling for the Astros is not the problem. So I think Astros fans need to temper their expectations and not worry if the Astros don't follow suit with the rest of the league. 
it's called a pipeline, right? And you want to have a pipeline full of players and you want to try to bring one person from your system. If you bring two, that's amazing. But generally one person of consequence, one player, a difference maker per year from your system, that is what you have to do to keep going. So what the Astros are doing, when you say retool, that's a code word that we used to use for rebuild or for tearing down. The Astros are not retooling. They're running a finely tuned organization where they're bringing in young players, replacing players. Picture it like a conveyor belt, like like on the Price is Right. This may be a boomer reference. When the guy going up the mountain, and if you guess too big a number, then he falls off the mountain. You always have players going up the conveyor belt, and sometimes the players drop off as they get older, and you've got new ones coming up. Very normal, and you've watched it. We talked about it earlier in the show. What do you think the Pena for Correa deal was? Would you rather pay Pena 700000 or Correa $25 million? It's not even a question what you do. And when you've got good players, when you hear, when you get a player development guy in your show saying, hey, we've got an absolutely stacked farm system, you got to wait to see if they're good. And if they are, you take a chance on them, you bring them to the big leagues, and you let one of your more expensive players walk away after their deal's done. It's very normal and very smart. Um, my final thing, uh, David, is to uh, Dana Brown said his philosophy is, is to secure, uh, sorry, select, secure, and sustain. I cannot blow the draft. So is this because he's being brought in to rebuild the farm system? Is this him putting a lot of pressure on himself or is this just because he's inheriting a World Series team and that's literally all he really needs to really do? You know, I, I'll tell you, we all say the same thing. None of us want to blow the draft because it's the easiest, cheapest way to acquire talent. There's no <laughs> question about it. But at the same time, in baseball, it's really a crapshoot. Even in the first round, if 50% of players in the first round make it to the big leagues, 50% don't. Of the 50% who do, let's say 10% become actual impact major leaguers, you have to get players from all different places, all different rounds, un undrafted free agents. You get them from international. You have to get them from everywhere because you really don't know. It's not an exact science. It's not like the NFL where you're dying to get the number one pick because you expect that that guy will have an impact immediately or the NBA draft where you can get Wembayama and all of a sudden you're a team that can, that can compete immediately. It's not like that in baseball. So every team blows draft picks. Look at the Astros. Great example. They had, remember when they lost, this was a while ago, a hundred losses, three years in a row. I think that was in the, in the teens, wasn't it? Right. Like 13, 14, 15 or yeah. whatever mm -hmm. it was. One of their one ones was a guy named Mark Appel. You remember that name? Yep. You know, he made it to the big leagues eventually, but not an impact player. Right. The, the Astros miss from time to time. That's because every team misses from time to time. But the Astros hit more than they miss. They succeed more than they fail. And the proof has been with the results. But if you expect that this sort of level of winning to continue every single year, your expectations are just not going to be met. Look at the Yankees. They've made the playoffs every year, but they have one ring. You guys have already doubled that, right? The Yankees have one ring since 2000. And look what the Astros have done. So it's, you know, windows open, windows close. The best teams keep the window closed for the shortest period of time. And if you've got smart baseball people and people paying attention and an owner who 
knows what he's doing, knows when to meddle, knows when not to. You can keep that window closed for the shortest period of time and keep it open for a longer period of time. Well, this is truly the golden era of Astros baseball. And like you said, I, I loved how you put it earlier. You're like, what more do you want? And that's that's what I've been trying to scream from the mountaintops for the kids in the back. Like, guys, like how is Crane incompetent? How, you know, like whenever James Click was offered the offer he didn't like and he walked. I'm like, okay, who cares? Jim Crane is still here. Jim Crane is the best owner that the Astros have ever had and probably going to be one of the best owners to ever own a baseball team, I think, in recent history, just because of what he's been able to do. And so this season, we're excited, David. We're excited to see what they do. We're excited to see them hopefully go back to back. And you know, from Yankees fans, I always hear about 27 rings. But like you said, one ring in that run, they were hardly a dynasty, and they had a lot of extra help off the field from what I understand. But we won't go there. Um, You know, um, but that's what I love about the Astros. And David, what are your final thoughts as we wrap up the show about the outlook on the Astros this year, Dana Brown, and just what the, what the possibilities are in 2023? It's tough when you're the defending World Series champion because the drive to win the second ring was so significant for the Astros and for those players who were on the 17 team, even though they're at the end of the day, there weren't that many of them. But it's certainly, I think there were five players still left from 2017, right. which should tell you something, right, about how the Astros are able to churn and keep winning. But when you win a World Series, there's a different feeling when you go into spring training. You have this desire, really, to repeat, and it becomes an obsession. And you feel as though that there's only one way to go, and that's down. And that's sort of a depressing feeling for a president of a team or a GM or an owner because you were just at the mountaintop and you're trying to push the boulder back uphill and get to where you were as opposed to get to where you haven't been, which is what the other 29 teams are doing. So it's a different level of attention that's needed. And in my opinion, the job that Dusty Baker does this year will be his most important managing job of his entire career because keeping these players interested, focused, and on a random Tuesday in May, right? Those games matter. And when you're defending your World Series title, sometimes it can be hard to get the players to realize how much they matter. So I'm looking for Dusty to have his best year ever. And what a great feeling for fans of the Astros, knowing that they're actual favorites to repeat. Most World Series champions are not favorites the next year because they can't, you know, it was some sort of great run they had. The bullpen got hot, whatever the reason is. But the Astros are so deep, they're ready to do it again. And I, for one, am excited I haven't done my preseason predictions. I'll do it on nothing personal, but you can bet the Astros are going to be well represented in my predictions. All right. So basically Dusty Baker is the cure for the world series hangover. And you've heard it here from David P. Sampson. So once again, where can they find you on, uh, on all your podcasts and all your um, other stuff? Just search nothing personal. It'll come out when you type N O T H. I think it comes out. Nothing personal with David Sampson. We're live Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8 AM on YouTube. Nothing personal with David Sampson. We're live to tape Tuesdays, Thursdays. It's always released on all the podcast platforms by 9.30 in the morning every day, 45 minutes. And uh, we have fun. And uh, baseball season starting, but we cover all sports and culture, entertainment, sometimes even politics. So come, uh, come listen. After you're done listening to Locked on Astros, come listen to Nothing Personal. Appreciate it. Appreciate All right, thank that. you, David, once again for coming on, and uh, we'll see you next time. And um, thank you for um, 
uh, join in again. So guys, you've been listening to Locked On Astros podcast. We'll be back on Sunday. We'll definitely be talking about some of the promotions that were um, kind of presented today. And uh, we'll talk more about the uh, kind of the slogan and some more stuff about the 2023 Houston Astros. But make sure you can subscribe to us. And when you're uh, when you're done listening to us, go make the Locked On MLB Prospects your second listen. Host uh, Lindsey Crosby is a prospect encyclopedia, and he's going deep on MLB stars of tomorrow. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, for me, for Brett, and for David, we are the Locked On Astros podcast. Well, he's a guest, but he's uh, we we think hey, he as is. Hey, you are an honorary Locked On Astros co-host, so yes. you just know that. that you can you can garner that seat because number one. Your chair is way cooler than ours. The baseball glove is top notch. We got compliments on it. But seriously, I just want to tell you before we go, thank you so much. We appreciate you being willing to take time to share with us your expertise. It means a lot. It helps us get a more complete picture of the Astros, the front office stuff. So I promise you, I'll be tapping the DMs late, you know, later on to bring you on during the season and to talk Astros baseball. All right. Have thank a great you, night. I know you got to go. You. All right. All right. Bye-bye. All right. So that's all we got. And we'll see you on Sunday and uh, go Strokes.